0: Hello.
2: share your heritage or traditions.
0: If you love any of these things, you can go beyond listening and join our weekly podcast group. Simply email pbaafc at gmail.com and put your name in the subject line. Powered by Age is sponsored by the Government of Canada, New Horizons Grant, the 411 Senior Center Society, and GNF Financial Group. Hello and welcome to Powered by Age, Canada's longest-running Senior led podcast program where we talk about things that enhance and enlighten people about the reservoir and resilience of older people. Uh, today, we are doing a launch prelude to uh, Pride Week in Vancouver, which starts next week. Uh, but tomorrow, there's also an event that we'll be talking about that all of the senior centers co- collaborated in in supporting uh, an event that's going to be happening at. Community, Did I say I'm Charlotte Farrell? I'm the host of the show. <laughs> uh, I am very respectfully aware and acknowledging that our podcast takes place on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh people. Uh, maybe others as they introduce themselves. If there is a different uh, homeland that you know that you are on, you can mention that. Uh, it's unceded, people did not get it to give it to us. We're basically living on stolen land and selling properties that a million ate each. But we are looking forward to uh, whatever ways that gets reconciled within our lifetimes. What we usually do is people that are on at the beginning uh, introduce themselves. So we'll start with people introducing themselves from um, Cynthia. Hi,
3: I'm uh, Cynthia. I'm a member of the uh, Corky writing group, queer imaging and writing group for elders. I've been a part of the group for about five or six years now, but the group has been going for 15 years. And um, um, I guess that's all
1: from me so far. Uh, River? Well, it's very nice to be here. Hi, Charlotte and other people that I don't really know very well. Uh, nice to meet you. I have been a member of Quirky for 14 years, and uh, it's a—it's more than just a riding group. It's a family now. And yesterday we all got to, uh, well, not we all, but several of us got together in a park for another ride, and just being in person with each other um, in such close proximity without masks on, <laughs> it was <laughs> like a new beginning. So th- this is a really you a know, more positive summer than last summer. And uh, I'm, I'm very, very glad to be a part of the pride movement and uh, just keep it going. So thank you for having me. Uh, thank you. And you were one of the
0: people that came to the 411 Center when we were talking about podcast and advocated uh, people getting involved and letting people within Quirky and other organizations that you belong to know about it. So thank you, River. Nancy.
1: Oh, my name is Nancy Sinclair, and I'm a podcast mentor with uh, Powered by Age. And I'm delighted to be here.
4: Thank you, everyone. Uh, Don. Hi, everyone. Thanks for uh, having us, Charlotte. This is really wonderful. Just to see, I should say. Um, uh, we really do appreciate all the, uh, the work that uh, Powered by Age and 411 does. Um, I've been um, on a couple of things with with powered by age but it's been a while for me i i ha, i can't regularly attend but um i've been a member of quirky which is the queer imaging and writing collective for elders um it it actually spells quirky if you use the initials that we use um for since about 2016 and um i'm uh, i've been a um proud uh, openly gay man for since I was in my early 20s in the early 70s so I'm um, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later thanks
0: wonderful thank you and let's say I've discovered Don has also been involved in writing plays and we are looking for other ways that we move from play from our stories and our, our poetry to visual things like movies and plays so we will be connecting more as we go into our awesome August.
5: (laughs) Uh, Neil? Yeah, hi, Uh, my name is Neil Ryan. Uh, I'm a writer of poetry and short stories. And uh, as of today have two books published, uh, but self-published. And uh, there's the From the Other Side, which is poetry and short stories, and then the Brighton tarot card mystery, which is a, a delightful little run through Brighton over some mysterious tarot cards. And uh, I'm supportive of the, uh, emotionally supportive of the gay communities. Uh, I was uh, uh, watching some of the presentations for the Burnaby Gay, uh, which was the last week. And, um, and uh, so, uh, I don't know what more I can say than about the gay community. Uh, other than some of my best friends are part of that uh, <laughs> that community. They, uh, what do they call the the black individual that's that that's uh, representative of the community? <laughs> so, so anyway, thank you.
6: Leslie. Uh, Yes, I'm Leslie Hebert
2: and I live on the traditional lands of the First Nation, which we now call New Westminster. I am an ESL teacher. I I teach online. Uh, I also write poetry, short stories, and I'm working on a travel uh, travelogue of a trip I took to Japan a few years ago.
0: Leslie has also shared some of her stories. And uh, one of the things that Don also mentioned other ways of being involved, if you go to our poweredbyage.com website, you'll see a thing called spins. And those are stories, poetry, interviews, and novelties that we have recorded of different ones of you where it's its own special space. So Nancy has some, and we are going to be encouraging more people uh, to work with me, Nancy or Jesse
2: in recording more of those. Uh, Chris, hi. I'm Chris, and I'm also a proud member of Quirky. I happen to have been uh, the uh, the privileged one uh, and paid to actually get Quirky off the ground um, when it started about fifteen or sixteen years ago through the Vancouver Parks Board. Uh, I also endeavor to write um, and I'm working on putting together some of my pieces into a memoir. Thank you.
0: Uh, Ramona, welcome.
6: Thank you. Um, I'm happy to be here and um, I'd like to say that I'm Ramona Srinivasan from Mumbai, India and a newcomer to Canada. I lived in Um, Mississauga, Toronto for three years and I've just moved to Vancouver. While I was in uh, Mississauga I did join the Active Adult Centre there and um, in particular we have an Active Goan Adults group where we shared our Goan culture through song and dance and food and now that I'm here in Vancouver I'm really happy to be associated with your um, group powered by aged and hope to present whatever information I can from my end. Uh, I would like to say that I don't really know what the pride movement of Kwaki is about, and I look forward to more information about that. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, that gives an excellent lead-in to uh, whomever from the group does want to give uh, that. Overview about what pride movement is, and Dr. Verona is going to be one of our presenters in upcoming time about influencers. And you know, they used to say, "Oh, the influencers were millennials." Now they're showing that uh, older people as well as children are influencers that are getting millions of hits on YouTube as well as um, TikTok. So. She's going to have us all moving into the influencer realm, realm as we go through awesome August. <laughs> okay, uh,
3: Cynthia. Well, um, maybe it would be appropriate then for me to read um, one of the po- uh, poems that I brought with me because it's titled Pride, P-R-I-D-E. What Pride means to me. Is that okay? Yes, that's perfect. All right. P-R-I-D-E what pride means to me. The persistence, purpose, and perseverance of the people pushed down, punished, and persecuted as pariahs. The resistance, resilience, and resourcefulness of of the rebels against restrictive recipes of realness. The independence, integrity, and intelligence of individuals insisting on the inalienable right to inhabit inner identities. The determination, dedication, and devotion of the decent, decrying, defying, and demystifying the desperate denials of the deceivers. The elation, excitement, and exuberance of the enlightened elevating, exhibiting, and expressing, P-R-I-D-E.
0: Wow, what a wonderful, beautiful collection of words and contrasts in meanings. Can you tell a little bit, because in each place you contrast uh, some of the questing motions, but then also things that speak to what's been accomplished. Um, well, uh, I think, of course, that the the word pride was chosen for
3: our movement to counteract this sense of shame, secrecy, ostracism, you know, um, rejection that was not just a societal rejection, but also a self-rejection that uh, most of us experienced um, before a movement to change that, to liberate that, to turn that around. and. You know, I'll just, in, in a way it's encapsulated for me in um, one of the first times that I was a participant in a pride parade in Vancouver, I was wearing a kind of a clown outfit um, because I thought it was full of rainbows and happy. I had a bucket full of candy. I was handing it out to the children who were lining the streets um, of the parade along English Bay. And uh, there were hundreds of thousands of people enjoying themselves and applauding. And it suddenly dawned on me. I thought, you know, here is something about myself that could have led for me to be fired from my job, thrown out of my apartment, uh, you know, rejected by my family, (laughs) uh, ostracized by my former friends. And here, instead of all of those negative experiences, which were some of which I experienced or some which were very real threats to everybody in my community. Instead, there's a hundred thousand people who are applauding me, (laughs) cheering
0: for me and having fun with me. I wouldn't want that. Yeah, I think that speaks to to what that the pride, what the pride parade did mean to so many people, and then something that you touch on in the book about what it means to be an ally, people that are in support. Um, I think that might be a good segue point to talk about the publication and how it is not just for people who identify as being gay but around being an advocate
4: or around being an an educator. In in Quirky, we have, um, we break into smaller groups and one of the small groups is, um, um, produces uh, magazines, we call them zines, and uh, we've done a couple other ones. One was on COVID, queering COVID. One was on um, a theme of this patch of grass I, on which I stand. And this latest one is on uh, fighting racism. Um, River was on the, the uh, group that that did the zine. You want to talk about it?
1: Yeah. Um, we, we are advocates. Most of us have um, have, through either the queer movement or just born that way uh, most of us have really been fighting for just global societal reform and i was a social worker in my piece i'll mention that and everything and so when we sit around and think about what's the next topic that we should do for zine well of course when we started hashing this out last year it was george floyd's murder and um the black lives matter movement finally getting the traction that uh, it, it really should have gotten long before. So we decided then that we would uh, produce this scene. And we wanted to do it with um, you know, cultural sensitivity and and uh, just make it something that was really a, a resource too. So this, this not only has a collection of stories from people of various ethnic backgrounds, um, and life experiences, but it also has a uh, book review, really good book reviews of the current literature on this subject. And we have
0: lists of. We can read a few of them just because most people would be listening. Um,
1: we don't. Sure. There um, are. Uh, Half breed. I can't mm-hmm. read all the small print, but uh, so a number of these are uh, indigenous. Uh, there's a book here by Angela Davis. Um, Lord, uh Lorde, one called White Rage by Carol Anderson. So in the, uh, the other page has even more covers. And then we have lists of um, uh, media, uh, whether it's online or whatever that uh, you can, I mean, just page after page of resource. So this is more than just a collection of stories. It, it is a resource of, of the current um, movement for equality and uh, which is, as, as a queer person, that's all I want is, is a respect for diversity and everybody having an opportunity. You know. And uh, I think quirky gives you the, the wheels to, <laughs> to use to, 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 get, to get there. At least that's how I feel about it.
0: Yes, there's such a connection to the adjectives, then Cindy is
1: poor. Yes, indeed. Well, I could read my piece if you want. Okay. That, that, that time and a place okay it, it will further um uh, cu- you know give give my idea about aging and pride and that's the name of it aging and pride nothing seems to stop the train of aging it just keeps chugging along that is if you're so lucky to still be on it for sure some things do uh, some, For sure, luck has something to do with staying alive, but being proactive can make taking the curves that aging throws at you a little easier. The proactions of nutrition, exercise, getting enough rest, enduring medical procedures and medication, and staying socially engaged can fill up your days as a senior. For me, all the effort put into surviving really is about reaping the good time, feeling connected to my family, friends, and community. Aging is also enjoying the privilege of perspective when looking back at decades past. In the words of the Grateful Dead, what a long, strange trip it's been. Parts of my old perspective include being cisgendered, which means I, I present as a female and I'm very comfortable with the pronouns she and her female, I'm queer, I have a chronic health issue, I have modest resources and a lifelong skepticism about most of society's institutions. From my youth, I identified with the underdogs. I guess I'm probably most proud of that. In volunteer work or paid social work, I have sought more rights for women, LGBTQIA2+, Um, racialized groups, the poor, mentally affected or addicted by people. There was a period in my life when I backed myself back into the closet. I was out in my senior year of high school back in the late 60s and uh, 70s and uh, went back in. I'll continue here. (laughs) So um, there was a period in my life when I backed myself back into the closet trying to be heteronormative believing it was the only way to have kids. These days, we queer people now can have families without choking out a big piece of oneself. My aging with pride has seen me coming of age in Los Angeles during the social upheavals of the latter 60s and partying like my life depended on it in the 70s. In the 80s, I immigrated to Canada, where I tried to fit into a rural lifestyle, surrounded by super conservative people as I raised my kids. On top of that, in the 80s, I began losing my 70s friends to AIDS. I really felt I had abandoned them, hiding in my sanitized, closeted life. So in the 90s, I enrolled in university and part-timed my way into a social work degree, and eventually I left the marriage and began working for an AIDS resource center. I could not have self-actualized over the years like I did without the pride movement encouraging me to take major major personal, uh, to take major personal chances. I'm so grateful for every activist that fought for legal reforms. I'm grateful for every celebrity that came out and all the queer culture that has flourished. I'm grateful for the inclusive curriculum of the university I attended. And I'm grateful for the growth of queer support organizations and the slow but evolving acceptance of society in general. For sure, there's a lot more to do to help our transgender and other gendered people and our people with different ethnic and cultural backgrounds. But I look at the youth and I have every hope that they won't put up with anything less than full equality and celebration of diversity. Chug-chug goes the old train of aging that I'm on, but I'm determined to keep learning, growing, and making some difference in the pride movement, which is as relevant today as it ever has been. I love that.
0: Uh, Any questions for River?
3: Um, may, may I comment? Yes. Uh, River River read this piece yesterday um, at our first uh, opportunity to be at an event out in the public. Uh, there It was a farmer's market that was uh, put on at Pandora Park, sponsored by Kiwasa Neighbourhood House. Uh, Pandora Park is in the Hastings Sunrise area at Nanaimo and uh, just north of Hastings. And uh, we they were they put on this farmers market every week, but uh, uh, this week they decided to have a pride theme, and so they invited community and uh, Corky to have tables and for us to do readings and for some of the other organizations to to focus on pride things. And um, so River read this piece uh, yesterday, and. Um, you know, I was standing up near the the microphone, being able to look at the reception from people who were listening. And, you know, part of what I loved was that there were children as young as maybe five or six years old. And others there, uh, including our group, our our oldest member who was in attendance is 75. Um, And uh, they were all you know, paying attention and knowing that this is something that you can talk about. Um, River, do you want to speak about the 12-year-old that uh, you were telling me about?
1: I was sitting at the table and a mother and her three children came up to the table. And um, one of the uh, young people, uh, a, a young, young girl, um, probably... Maybe thirteen, maybe twelve or thirteen. She came up and she said, "Is it possible to get a pride flag? I've just come out to my mother." Wow! And, and um, I said, "Well, of course. You know, it was Cindy's flag, but <laughs> I gave it to her. And I, I, you know, I, I told them, you know, that I was so, you know, happy for them, and that, you know, I, I mentioned the community was a great resource and." um, that uh, you know, we were there to support youth. Uh, we've had youth uh, collaborations uh, with um, uh, Youth for a Change down in Surrey, and uh, we're, we we know that it's um, every generation, has, all throughout history, has had queer people in it and transgender people and just diversity in general. And when I was When I was in high school, my friends were just, uh, it was just beginning to, uh, they finally took uh, being queer uh, off the criminal code. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: And uh, many people had suffered, you know, loss of jobs and um, even arrest. Uh, It was, there was police brutality uh, frequently against queer people. And they were thrown out of the military and all this kind of stuff. So um it really you know people have suffered as a result of that i i was you know kind of all over the place kind of by and able to pass you know in in with uh you know the heteros or whatever group i went with and uh but i did i did go with my friends to the to a, a pride march in west hollywood in 1973 and there was just a handful of us Walking around with placards, I don't even think the pride flag had been invented at that point. <laughs> but um, you know, we I, even at even in my youth, I knew I knew what um, you know what justice look, would look like. Justice would look like equal opportunity for everybody and respect for the inherent dignity of everybody. And that love is love. You know, there's it doesn't matter whether you're hetero or uh, gay. You couldn't even you, you know. Uh, be selfish and, and, uh, hurtful with your sexuality. It doesn't matter what, what your orientation is, or you can have healthy, wholesome lifestyles. And unfortunately, a lot of us in the seventies were not living very healthy, wholesome lifestyles. We didn't have any real good role models of that. Uh, we just, you know, the bar scene was, you know, the same. And, um, so now people have families and they have, you know, they have things on television, you know, families on television to, to see and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I think uh, the long, strange trip I've been on and the, the perspective that I have seen come from a place of real vulnerability to a place of far more strength and, and just a happy, you know, happy possibility of happiness. It's just a wonderful journey.
4: So you know, um, the pride marches started. This is Don. The pride marches started in uh, the early '70s after the Stonewall riot in New York, and they've spread all over the, the world now. Um, there, but there are a number of places where people are trying to um, celebrate. Celebrate pride, and their governments or um, the communities are uh, trying to stop it. And so, it's still a struggle that we're that we're going through, and it's still something that that um, is it's not um, always uh, uh, very pleasant in a number of places around the world. I was from a small town. Um, I grew up in um, in Washington State and uh, lived for most of my adult life in in the state capital of Olympia, which is a really small town like many state capitals in the United States. Um, And we had a, we started our own, I came out in like the early seventies. We started our own pride march in Olympia in the eighties sometime. Um, but before that, we always had to go to Seattle because that was the only place that pride was being celebrated, really. Um, and I remember the contingent from Olympia um, every year went to the Pride March through the through the seventies uh, and and into the early eighties. And uh, there there's a brewery in Olympia called Olympia Brewery, um, and their slogan was "It's the water." And we had a we made a big banner that that all the um, gay and lesbian people from Olympia took with us to this pride march in Seattle that said, it's the water. And it it was always a, it was always a great hit. Um, But um, I'm, you know, having grown up in a small town and having to deal 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 with uh, the prejudices and stuff, I've always tried to carry myself with pride. I'd like to read a short piece that, that I uh, wrote about, um, one of my early experiences in Olympia. Um, I call it logger dude. I don't think being gay is a phase, but I do think many LGBTQ2S plus people go through periods of our lives when we are gender fluid, trying out different expressions of ourselves on a spectrum of traditional male to traditional female and everywhere in between. I did anyway, and so did many of my friends. I have a voice that gets mistaken for female quite frequently, and I swish a little bit. Still, I see myself as a physically masculine man. I'm muscular and hairy. I tend to be overly confident and loud. It was part of my training. I won't deny it. But the toxic masculinity of the boys I grew up with scared me. All through the 1970s and 80s, I was influenced by feminist consciousness raising and I desperately wanted to shed all vestiges of my male privilege. I grew my hair long and styled it in combs and scarves. I wore lots of ear jewelry and dressed in sleek fabrics. I consciously tried to listen more and talk less. I had a favorite pair of fry boots that came most of the way up my calves. Pale leather, rounded toe, they looked fabulous. Unfortunately, even Nancy Sinatra w- w- uh, wasn't made to go walking far in these boots. They weren't very comfortable. Why is high fashion always so impractical? I would have to discuss this with my feminist friends. So picture this, a young faggot going about his morning business in scarves and jewelry, a lovely blouse, pants tucked into a bitchin' pair of boots, promenading down the main street of a small logging town in the Pacific Northwest in 1980. It's a wonder I survived. Uh, Passing cars would honk and flip me the finger. I just waved princess-like. I was right downtown on the busiest street when this logger dude was walking toward me on the sidewalk. I knew he was a logger dude by the length of his Carhartt work pants, which were cut off an inch above the top of his mud cake boots. Plus, he had on a plaid shirt and suspenders and had a sucking cap. He was ruggedly handsome, 5'10", massive shoulders, blonde and scruffy. I thought, he's a lumberjack and he's okay. We were about to pass each other, uh, going opposite directions on the sidewalk, when he stopped abruptly. I stopped, too. How could I not? Are you a faggot, he said to me. I was stunned. Wasn't it obvious? I was about to reply when he grumbled, You disgust me. I want to kill you. I suddenly had visions of his calloused hands twisting a choker chain around a downed tree about the size of my neck. He lunged at me like he meant to do a full body check. I pirouetted to one side, flitted past him, and hurried down the block. I turned around to see if he was coming after me, ready to run. I prayed my boots wouldn't betray me. He stood there a moment, shook his head, then walked on. I thought I heard him growl.
5: Hey, hey, let me applaud that, Don. I, 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 I mean that sincerely. I know the town. I know the people. Uh, I, 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 I had a boyfriend when I was, and I we weren't we we. I'm sure he was gay. I wanted him so bad to let me know he was gay, and he he was the lead in the play, and, and I was one of the characters that, uh, you know, that, that that was. I was afraid. I was afraid of. Betraying my masculine side, so I did the bye trip for a hundred years. You know, I've got to tell you that uh, somewhere along the line today, somebody read a line that said, love doesn't know anything more than the feeling of love. And I've had two men in my life that I have loved. And my father, besides So thank you for your story. Thank you.
0: Thank you for the story and the way that you told it, because I can just visualize that scene and also visualize the ugliness of a person who just had to go out of their way, you know, to be nasty to you. And
2: so thank you for that. I'd like to just go back to something that uh, Don mentioned uh, and I I checked to see when the first Pride Parade was in Vancouver, and it was actually in 1978, which was the same year that the Pride flag actually came into being as well. So it's a bit of a coincidence. And um, I've been in many Pride parades uh, here in Vancouver. I was certainly late, much later than some of my... My friends here in coming out. Um, I actually didn't come out until the late '80s, early '90s. But one of the the one pride parade that I remember most is uh, one that I participated in a number of years ago now. And um, the pride parades originally were a lot uh, had a lot of political content to them because back in the 1970s, uh, LGBT people did not have many rights. And so it was not only a sign of solidarity, but also it was, in a way, a political protest. Um, Over the years, the, the tenor of the Pride Parade changed. Clearly, as advances were made and as we... Uh, achieved different rights, then a a lot more celebration came into the Pride Parade. But as Don said, there still is a whole lot of persecution, perhaps not so much in Canada, but internationally. And this brings me to the Pride Parade that I remember most. I'm part of an organization called Rainbow Refugee Society. And the pride parade that we had, as a group, we made a decision to to actually participate in the pride parade, even though many of the people who were part of our organization had come from countries where they experienced persecution. And they were very much afraid. They were afraid that um, their picture would be picked up on television because pride parades in those days were televised. And that somebody back home, some family member or somebody back home would actually see them, identify them. And they would still then be afraid of running a a risk to their life and safety, even though they were here in Vancouver. And what we decided to do was everybody dressed in white so that everybody had white, white T-shirts, white pants or skirts or whatever a person wanted to wear. And we all wore white Face masks that we bought at um, oh we bought at the at the party store that I think is I don't know if it still is but it was moved to that little corner at terminal and uh, terminal not far from where the 411 currently is now and so there was this fairly large contingent of people marching all dressed in white, all covered with face white face masks. And what I remember is walking along the street and these hundreds, and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people actually cheering. And many of the folks who were in that pride parade, for them, it was the first time ever that they were out in a public place and the first time ever in their lives that they experienced being supported by the local, by the community in which they they were living. And that, I've been in many Pride Parades. I was in many before, and I've been in many since. But that's the one that for me stands out uh, in terms of my recollection of how important the Pride Parade was for those many, many folks that had come to Canada looking for a safe place to live uh, and at the same time, still struggling with their their fear and their anxiety, uh, but willing to put themselves out there, willing to take that step uh, to be out in a very public way, in a very public, um, in a very in a very public place, uh, and be accepted and cheered. Um, since that parade, there have been many other parades and many of the folks that were in that first parade have walked without masks and who now now experience that that walking in the parade and being seen and being visible and being proud to be seen and visible so i, I think the pride parade uh even though like last year and this year because of the pandemic we're we we don't have that same experience but hopefully next year we will has has served a purpose for um, not in, historically for for bringing about uh, the visibility to us, but also has served now to remind us that uh, that while we here have the opportunity to to celebrate who we are, uh, that 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 there's still many people around the world that do not have that opportunity. And we read stories about countries where they make an effort to have a pride parade and there's maybe four or five people walking on a sidewalk with a pride flag and that the police come along and beat them up and arrest them. So we don't ever want to take for granted the fact that we have the privilege of being able to live openly and freely uh, um, as who we are here. uh, And also to acknowledge and recognize that others don't share that same freedom and experience. So for me, the Pride, Pride Week and the Pride Parade is about celebration. And it's also about reminding ourselves where we were, how we got to where we are now and the fact that there are many other people in different places around the world who are still struggling to get to where we are now. So the Pride, Pride Week and Pride Parade still plays a significant role. Sometimes I think here in Canada and maybe in the U.S. and other Northern places, we kind of forget, um, we forget that it's not all about celebration uh but it also is an opportunity for us to remember that we we got to this place by struggle. none of the rights that we gained were handed to us. Most of them came through the courts. We had to challenge all of the legislation and every time the governments fought against us, every time we most times we had the, we actually won in courts, and therefore, that's how we uh, that's how we came to have our rights. And in many countries, there is not a legal system, a judicial system that allows that kind of thing to happen. So, um, internationally, we uh, we we engage with our government and with other governments to bring about um, a freer and a more just society for LGBTQ. Uh, I people, thank you. That's kind of a bit of the, the bit of the, the story that I, I haven't written, but um, I wanted to tell.
1: I Wanted to share this picture. Uh, this was on the front page of the Daily Courier in Kelowna, and that's me in '97 in the Pride Parade with my t- my then ten year old daughter, and um, it, at that point in in Kelowna. The, current, the mayor at the time refused to authorize uh, the proclamation uh, declaring, you know, Pride Week there. So, um, you know, we really there, there was just a you can just see it snakes up just about to there. You know, it was just that few people in the parade, but we were determined to have you know make a statement, and now it's a much bigger event there. So. Progress does get made, but only with people going out of their way to, to be visible, to, to speak out, to share their stories and everything. So.
5: I really I think
0: the- what you've highlighted is one of the important things of a democratic society, being able to not just press for the law, get a law change, but then reaching out to see other places where there's injustice and mistreatment, you know, uh, shining a light on that and putting support behind people in other countries that are just wanting to not be killed for being openly gay or just wanting, you know, just wanting to live their lives. So I think that's a really important thing that uh, we emphasized around uh, Canada as well—that there's an organization that refugees were able to be involved in an organization, and to uh, that there was support from other people to say, "We'll all dress in white, so that you know, it'll be harder for people to single out you." So just thank you for touching on, highlighting those points, uh, Cynthia? Um Yes,
3: I, I think I'd like to tell also a story of. Uh, that happened in Canada um, related to this. In 1978, I was invited to attend a a gay and lesbian conference in um, Saskatoon. And I thought, wow, Saskatoon, (laughs) you know, wonderful. And uh, I guess I was anticipating attending to uh, read read stories and poetry. I was very excited that I was on the um, venue together with my favorite lesbian singer, Farron. And um, um, there was planned a, um, a, a short uh, march or like very short kind of march in support of this event around a couple of blocks in the park in Saskatoon. And um, about three or four days before the conference took place, the gay and lesbian office uh, was arsoned, was burned. And and that's the kind of opposition that it took. And um, when the march took place, I was not physically well enough to be part of it, but uh, there were probably less than 50 people who were able and willing to take the chance of walking around a couple of, in the center of Saskatoon, um, because they might be recognized because there might be violence. Um, I think there are some people who went disguised with a mask or sometimes even people wore paper bags over their head with the eyes cut out so that they could participate without putting their lives in danger. you know, despite that, the conference went off, you know, in a kind of beautiful, wonderful way. And we had the most joyful meal at the end of it, in which we were all singing and dancing together. You know, maybe I should say in emphasis to the ability to celebrate is goes hand in hand with our ability to protest and to, to, to fight for recognition that... Um, you know, it's in the face of. Um, in fact, if it's okay, I'll read another poem <laughs> that I've okay. written. And this one I've written for Aging with Pride. So Aging with Pride is an event that that happens each year. And the 411, I believe, is one of the co-sponsors. Yes. And um, also community and uh, the West End Seniors Network and Gordon Neighborhood House. And it is coming up tomorrow. Um, And it's an event that is both going to be a virtual and and a few people are able to gather in person. And so I I wrote this for this event. Um, It's called A-G-I-N-G, what aging with pride means to me. A, against the current, against the tide, against the odds, against the grain, against the arrogance of ageism, G, growing into ourselves, growing in grit, growing in grace, growing in gratitude. I, in spite of invisibility, in spite of injury, in spite of insidious insistence of irrelevance. N, nothing nullifying our naming. We advance as we morph into G, the greats great aunts, great uncles, great grandparents, of generations of a movement that gathers and liberates the entire alphabet. L, G, B, T, Q, 2, S, -S I, A, plus, plus, B, I, P, O, C. Within our lifetimes, we began all alone. The only one, without names, without letters, without words for our identities. Now we are many. We claim every letter, every combination, every word we can spell. We did this. We are
0: aging with pride. Oh, that is powerful. <laughs> Such a wonderful Way that you've used the words, in each—I love the 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 acronym and just the ways that you have had powerful statements. So, thank you. Uh, maybe we could have you read that and record it for our spins. That would be a great thing to have uh, left on and printed on our our uh, webpage, and for people to think about. Thank you,
3: Sister C. You know, I imagined at one point um, that you know how you call out letters in the, when you're a cheerleader. Right. And, and, and you're cheering for your team. And of course, I was the farthest thing in the world from a cheerleader during my high school time. You know, I barely survived high school as a sort of brainiac kind of person. <laughs> um, but now I apparently I've become a cheerleader for, for pride and for our community. So give me some pom poms <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll call out the letters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. Uh, any other comments or
4: questions just to see, thank you for this opportunity it was it's really um, great that you're doing this and uh, and i and i think all of the other people that that read and made comments it's uh, i really appreciate hearing um, the different perspectives so thanks a lot
0: i think the historical pre- perspectives as well as connecting that celebration is c- celebration really means that you've overcome something, that there was a struggle. Uh, sometimes people seeing the happy smiles or having the painted flags on their cheeks uh, might just think, wow, this is a great celebration. But the stories that you've told help give the, the history and, and the suffering or the, the doubts and the worry that people had about, you know, their, their being their very life, you know, whether they might be fired, whether they might be put in jail, beat up by a logger guy type. Those are all things that the celebration really highlights. So thanks for giving the story behind the celebrations and for, you know, encouraging and giving us always that we can also participate in the movement. Can you share the, uh, the address and ways to get the publications?
4: um Well, uh, so our, our a lot of our books from Corky are available through Lulu, l-u-l-u.com, and you just go to their website and go to the bookstore. The the um, the um, racism magazine um, is. Uh, d- does somebody else want to talk about the best way to do that? I mean, we we have it available oh. electronically on at our on our group our our Facebook group page. If you if you go to Facebook and search for quirk, just the word quirky with a hyphen, Q-U-I-R-K hyphen E. Um, you'll get to our Facebook group and then you can find the the uh, Fighting raci- Racism from a Queer Perspective zine on there.
0: And Lulu, can you tell just a little bit about Lulu for other people that might be interested in how they work with independent writers?
4: Um, I don't really want to advocate for people using Lulu we haven't had the best experience with them but they're a they're a self-publishing company in the United States and they've done several of the books from Quirky from many years ago starting many years ago so we've been using them for quite a while but um, uh, it's it is self-publishing and um, but they do uh, assign um, ISBN numbers and and make them available internationally so you can order. Our books through bookstores um, and online on your favorite uh, book vendor online, um, and, and and your local bookstore can can look them up and order them too.
0: And uh, together we stand is the book. Is it is it a zine or a book? How do you distinguish between a zine and a book?
4: The book's a lot longer.
1: Yeah, length, I think. So this zine got to be quite large, that's for sure.
3: (laughs) Uh, And have we thanked, uh, publicly thanked uh, Sister C for being uh, one of uh, of the editorial staff of allowing this scene to to come to fruition. Thank Thank you so much. And
1: and we have a dedication here to you. Exactly. (laughs) And,
3: and the, you know, the inspiration for gay liberation and for combining celebration with protest, you know, was taught to us by the Black people of North America who never stopped singing while fighting for their rights.
0: And, I, I, you know, notice and acknowledge the number of references that you made to the civil rights movement. I was involved in that movement from nine-year-old child Uh, wasn't old enough to be on the line, but we, a friend of mine and I had gotten a brownie camera and uh, we asked if we could take pictures of anyone who was beating or spitting on the protesters outside the Copper Kettle restaurant in Kansas City. And just from childhood, it it, uh, logged in my head the value of a child, because there's some things people don't want a child to see them do. So I don't know whether it was both both protected, but it really anchored in my mind that people had to fight. You know, now people go in, they sit down on any seat they want to sit through in a restaurant, but there was a, you know, a struggle behind that across the country and people who were hurt seriously. So I think in modeling that and talking about and people telling their stories of how they were were hurt and encouraging people to come out or hurt when talking about a parade or going to um, I think Chris has talked about going to uh, meetings where worried about being outed because uh, the issue was going to be around uh, acknowledgement of same-sex marriages and then going from that issue. So it's a start stepping stone. So I think that within the zine, some of the things that you have talked about, people can do to be allies of movements, um, allies and supporters, those are very good things. So. Um, I don't sell any of the books or represent any of the books, but the books that have been really well uh, documented through book reviews are something that's good for someone who might say, oh, I don't have time to read all of that. White Rage gives a really fundamental coverage of and examples of white pride for people or white privilege when people say, oh, I wasn't privileged. It really documents and helps people to understand. So thank you for your work and the way that you reached out to have a broad spectrum of people both telling their stories as well as writing reviews of books. And so that brings us around to the two o'clock hour. Neil, I'm going to ask, since next week is Awesome August, if you can give us one of your awesome stories as part of that. We're also going to have as part of next week um Another of our Move It to Movement, we're going to have chair exercise. The um, Guprit, who is the membership director at the 411 Center, is also certified in chair exercise. So she's going to give us some exciting chair exercises. And then we will be unveiling other things that we're doing during August. We're going to revisit some of the holistic health things people are doing. We know and have noted that many people have become addicted to um, oxycodone, other types of things used for pain relief. And we have people within the group who have learned how to do other things, alternatives to pain relief. And so during August, we're going to be unfolding those things as well as giving opportunities. If there is, the centers were given the right to reopen, but because the even more procedures have, that have to be put into place uh, before everyone can come in, we're giving people who wanted to instruct a class and ex- an opportunity to do a sample class, field test your class by doing it as one of our presentations in August or September. And then in September, you may have heard Culture Canada Canada today, used to be the last three days in September. Now, last year, with having to switch to uh, virtual, they moved it from the 24th of September to the 24th of October. So we will be having two Fridays that we're doing something as well. The 24th of September, we need everyone to plan to show up because we're going to do a workshop where we learn how to write tribute poems. The very next Friday is the first Friday of October. It's International Day of the Older Person. And people who have written a tribute poem will have a chance to do some of their poems on the big celebration, physical, in-place celebration that will be held at the 411 Center, but also uh, it will be held virtually. So we will have fun with some other things during uh, October, and I'll be calling upon, and Nancy will be calling upon each of you to see which ways you want to showcase something or do something as a writer, speaker, dancer, all of the other ways. Playwright, uh <laughs> Dan's gonna write a write a play for neil's story uh it's jane and jane and the bus
5: no uh, and the car
0: jane in the car so we have a lot of communities that have formed within this group of people who have similar interests so i will be looking forward to seeing you again go and flourish